Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. I'm Steve Fennessy. This is Georgia Today, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. It's Friday, August 7th. We have no municipality water. We have nothing except contaminated water, and we've had enough of it. I just want future generations one day to be able to live there again and not fear to getting something and dying from it. Coal ash. It's the residue left behind by power plants that burn coal, tons of it. For years, utilities have left it in ponds that lie adjacent to their plants. But in Monroe County, south of Atlanta, residents who get their drinking water from their wells are worried that their health is being damaged by contamination from the coal ash stored at nearby Plant Shearer. Some of those residents are now suing Georgia Power. My guest today is Max Blau, an Atlanta-based freelance healthcare journalist who's covered the story for the past year. I started by asking him to talk a bit about Juliet, Georgia. There's a lot of farmland there. Juliet is an unincorporated town of 3,000 people. It is best known for being the location where the the 1991 Kathy Bates film, Fried Green Tomatoes, uh, was filmed. You ever been to Whistle Stop? Did the name Itchy Thread Good ring a bell? Um, no, ma'am. I don't think so. Itchy and her friend Ruth ran the Whistle Stop Cafe. Plant Shear is in Juliet, near the historic downtown where the Whistle Stop Cafe is. Max, help me understand the importance of Plant Shear in the context of Georgia's power production. Plant Shear is the largest coal fired plant in the Western Hemisphere, um, not just in America. Um, when it's running at full capacity, can power over 3 million uh, households in Georgia. So you say it's the, the largest in the Western Hemisphere. That's how, when you say largest, what are you measuring by? That, that is in terms of the, the, um, the capacity it has in terms of um, um, electricity generation. Okay, like megawatt production. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, but in terms of how, how is it powered? How does it, how does it fuel the turbines? So every, every day, uh, if you were to go down to Juliet, uh, you could see um, very long trains bringing coal to the front, through the front of Plant Shear and dropping them off in this pit. From there, the, the coal is taken inside and it is, it is burned. That heats up water that creates steam. At that point in time, it turns a turbine, which generates electricity, um, that then goes back through power lines out from Juliet um, to the rest of the state, right. as well as other states as well throughout the South. Now, there's another step in there. No, the, the, the coal is not burned as is, isn't it? Crushed first. It, it's crushed. It's pulverized. Okay. Um, and, and and at the plant. At the plant. Okay. Yes. And then, after that coal is burned, what's left behind is this fine ash uh, that is um, that is the coal ash that we all uh, know about today. Well, give me an idea. How much coal are we talking about? In, in terms of how much is being, uh, how much is left behind? Yeah, when you much... say these, we've got these rail cars coming in every day, and they're, 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 they're crushing the coal, and then they're burning it to produce uh, power that, that produces steam that 
that fuels the turbines that makes electricity. What, how, how much coal are they going through in a day, in an hour? About 1,300 tons um, in, in a given hour. 1,300 tons in an hour. Yeah, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of coal that, um, that that plant produces. But again, this is for you know, up to 3 million households in, in a given day. Okay, so, so this coal is crushed. It's, it's then burned. And then what happens to, to it after it's, after it's been used up, after it's been burned and, and no longer of use? So I think most people probably look up at a plant like Plant Shear and you'll see smoke rising from the stacks. Um, that a combination of the, of the particulate that is captured inside of that stack through the, uh, what's known as a scrubber, which is kind of like a, a, a high... A fancy filter. Okay. Um, that ash, along with what is in the um, that's left behind from the burning of coal, is is taken outside and and at plant shear, it is placed in what's known as a, a coal ash pond. Which it's a bit of a misnomer in the sense hmm. that um, we're talking about an, a, a space that is over 750 acres um, in size. This pond, um, and it is very deep. Um, there's about 16, nearly 16 million tons of coal ash there, and that's enough to fill um, about 4,700 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Planchier's ash pond is what's known as an unlined ash pond, which means if you were to, to take out all that ash, there would be a there would be clay at the bottom of it, but there would be no protective liner. Just red Georgia clay. Yes. And so in other words, it's a, it's a big hole, and they're filling it up with water and coal ash. Exactly. And and in some other facilities or, or you know, newer coal ash plants, um, there were protective liners put in the ground that prevented coal ash from seeping through that clay into groundwater. Unlike up here in Atlanta, where we get our water from a, um, a city or a county um, that treats that water and then runs it to our homes, um, Juliet never had water lines installed even to this day. Oh. So, so people, um, they get their water from their own private drinking wells that they've installed that draws up water from an aquifer below the surface. And that water is... Um, according to Georgia Power's own records and a point and, and, and to other additional data that's been collected, um, that water is also in contact with the coal ash pond, you know, in some cases a half a mile or a quarter mile from these people's homes. Environmental agencies have raised concerns with Georgia Power's coal ash ponds at five power plants, including Plant Share in Juliet. People started noticing... Um, their loved ones getting sick. Some people had had cancer. Other people had, you know, thyroid damage. In some cases, um, children um, that that were diagnosed with cancer. In other cases, you know, otherwise healthy men in their 40s um, or 30s that were that were getting sick. And, and in some cases, people died prematurely. It got to the point where, where residents um, felt like something was up and were looking for answers as to what was causing, in their minds, what was a disproportionate rate of um, various health conditions. 
like one of them brought over a cake and said, welcome to Juliet. It's just a, a very welcoming community of people that just, they care about each other. One of the people I've crossed paths with in my reporting is a woman named Amber Joyner. She and her family live in Juliet near Plant Shear. Amber talked with Evie Wilson with the Center for Collaborative Journalism. She says it's heartbreaking to think about what this could be doing to her family. It's just hard to think about what my girls have possibly been drinking for the whole time we've lived here because you do, you do everything you can to make sure that they're getting what they need, eating their fruits and vegetables and all this other stuff. You know, imagine if it were your children, if it were your kids out here in Juliet drinking this water and um, would they want to go home and give this water to their children? And I highly doubt that they would. Amber Joyner and, and, and the rest of the family, they have elevated levels of, of the carcinogen hexavalent chromium in their well water. Max, what is hexavalent chromium? So hexavalent chromium is, is linked to a variety of health conditions, including um, ulcers, liver and kidney failure, and cancer. In hexavalent chromium, if you've never heard of that before, it is the, the chemical um, that was featured in the movie Aaron Brockovich. Um, about a mother turned legal assistant who uncovered a this this chemical um, from a, a utility out there that was found in, in people's wells. That means that it it's, was right up on the PGME property over there. And you say that this stuff, this hexavalent chromium, well, it's poisonous. Yeah. Aaron, it's it's just got to be different than than what's in our water, because ours is okay. And it ultimately led to a, you know, an award of a hundred, several hundred million dollars. Um, and that hexavalent chromium is, has also been found in coal ash disposal sites in states like Massachusetts and Nevada. You know, that's one of the other heavy metals that are kind of at play um, with coal ash and the potential fears of contamination. with an update on the battle over clean water in the Monroe County community. 45 neighbors near Plantshear filed a lawsuit this week against Georgia Power, arguing the plant is making them sick. This month, there was a, a new lawsuit filed that has expanded some of the um, allegations against Georgia Power specifically at this point in time. Um, Georgia Power has um, stated that they are a good neighbor who has employees who live in the community, and if they were doing any harm to that community, they would um, they would take action. At the end of the day, they are a neighbor just like anyone else, uh, any other next door neighbor that you may have. Brian Adams is one of the lawyers representing people who live near Plantshear. He spoke about the lawsuit against Georgia Power with WMAZ. They have refused to acknowledge uh, the problems they've been causing their neighbors for decades. And frankly, they don't seem to care. They made a conscious decision not to, knowing exactly what was gonna happen, knowing that their next door neighbors were on wells, drinking the groundwater, and they didn't care. They didn't care then, and they don't care now. Georgia Power still maintains that they um, are not a public health risk. Spokesperson John Kraft um, has said that uh, the company's tests showed that well water is safe. Here, here's Kraft uh, talking with WMGT. We've uh, operated in Plantshear for nearly 40 years, uh, well within 
uh, environmental guidelines. We've steadily made uh, additional investments at the plant for to improve its environmental performance over the years. Well, let's talk for a minute about regulators, both federal and state. So we've mentioned heavy metals and the potential impact they can have on, on the human body if, if they reach certain levels. So does the federal or state government sort of oversee how much um, consumption of them is safe or, or acceptable? For a long time, coal ash um, had very few regulations. Um, it wasn't until the end of the Obama administration that kind of the first comprehensive um, coal ash legislation passed. It's devilishly difficult to sort of ascribe cause and effect when it comes to, you know, clusters of diseases or, or even defining what a cluster is when it comes to possible environmental causes. I mean, because also there's, as we know, genetic causes to diseases. So how do the, the citizens, the concerned citizens of Juliet connect those dots? In that period between 2014 and 2020, a number of different things happened that convinced more people that uh, in Juliet that there was a more direct link between the coal ash and the the sicknesses that were happening in our homes. Um, w- one of those was the, the the arrival of a group called the Altamaha Riverkeeper. The Monroe County Board of Commissioners bringing in bulk water tankers to provide drinking water in the county. Commissioners say it's in response to weeks of public hearings with environmental group Altamaha Riverkeeper. The group ran water tests near Plant Share and found toxic heavy metals in nearly 40 of those tests. They say those same metals can be found in coal ash that could be seeping into the water supply. The, this group um, honed in on Juliet as, as um, one of the places it was going to focus a lot of its work. As concern grows over the quality of the drinking water in Juliet, residents start to take matters into their own hands. Our first agenda as constituents and residents of Juliet is we want some water. That's just ahead. This is Georgia Today. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on A Fork in the Road. I'm David Zelsky, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. This is Georgia Today. My guest is Max Blau, an Atlanta-based healthcare journalist who's covered efforts by the citizens of Juliet, Georgia, to ensure their drinking water is clean. In the beginning, when God creates the world, God hovers over the water and calls it good. Last February, the Altamaha Riverkeeper hosted a town hall meeting to discuss coal ash issues in Juliet. The meeting opened with a prayer from Cody Norid with the Georgia Interfaith Power and Light. We protect our water for the health of ourselves and our communities and our friends and our neighbors because it's holy work to do so. At that meeting, the Altamaha Riverkeeper's Fletcher Sams spoke to members of the community. He's tested roughly 100 private drinking wells near Plantshire. The same aquifer that y'all draw your drinking water from 
is in contact with the coal ash. Fletcher Sams explained that in 2015, federal law came down that forced Georgia Power to install monitoring wells across its coal ash ponds. The same things that are leaking out of those monitoring wells are the same things that were butting at people's drinking water. Aluminum, mercury, arsenic, barium, boron, cobalt, lead, manganese, strontium, sulfate. Everyone knew in town that if you wanted your water tested or you had some concern, that you can call the Altima River Keeper and they would come to your, either to your kitchen or to get closer to the, the well, they would sometimes crawl under people's houses and, and get it straight from the, the well itself. Weeks later, you would get a battery of uh, test results that would come back that measured, um, you know, for a variety of, of heavy metals, some of, some of which were found in coal ash and some of which were just um, other kinds of toxins. Let's talk for a second about some of the people that you met in Juliet, and specifically um, Tony Bowden. Who's Tony Bowden? Tony is a homeowner in Juliet. He's, he's he grew up and has lived there all his life. And you know, like like everyone in Juliet, he had heard people um, talk about the um, you know the can the, the cancer diagnoses and the other um, sicknesses that were emerging, and. At a certain point in time, you know, I believe it was, it was one of his neighbors uh, who lived um, a couple streets over who called him and, and sort of urged him to um, have his well tested just as a precaution. Between the month that the sample was collected and the test results uh, came back, he was actually um, did go to the doctor and, and had a his doctor sent him to a specialist, and, and ultimately he was diagnosed with stage four cancer in his colon. And, and so I, I was also there on the day that the Riverkeeper um, went back and, and presented the results. And at that point in time, he's still this you know kind of quiet, relatively um, you know, doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve kind of person. But you know there was you can see the concern kind of setting in that day. Um, you know, that here he was um, recently diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and here are the results um, that show there were, um, you know, high levels of certain he heavy metals. Our first agenda as constituents and residents of Juliet is we want some water. Carl Cass lives near Plant Shear, and he's one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against Georgia Power. We have no option. Let that sink in. We have no municipality water. We have nothing except contaminated water. And we've had enough of it. Here's Cass speaking in February at the Georgia State Capitol in support of legislation to excavate coal ash from unlined ponds near power plants so that it doesn't end up in groundwater. These beautiful children up here, what are they going to have to continue to face? What kind of health consequences are they going to endure because we didn't think it was necessary to be a voice for our kids and our kids' kids? I assure you, this group is strong and we're just minuscule compared to those back home. For this latest um, legislative session, there was legislation introduced that would help regulate coal ash in Georgia. What what was that legisla legislation seeking, and, and, and what became of it? 
that legislation was seeking to effectively force Georgia Power and and one other utility that has a coal ash pond to excavate uh, coal ash from unlined facilities that were near aquifers and to put them into a lined landfill. That bill was introduced by the Georgia House Minority Leader, uh, Bob Trammell. It did not get a hearing. So the the residents of Juliet get no satisfaction out of the General Assembly. What do they do next? Within a couple of weeks after the their day at the Capitol, um, they kept holding town hall meetings. Um, they pressured their local lawmakers. And as COVID happens, the shutdown impacts their ability to organize and keep going. The Monroe County Commission took the stance that, you know, people of Juliet had spoken up to the point where there was, you know, elite, they were fronting the cost of their own water and they felt it was their responsibility as a short-term solution to, to at least ensuring that they had clean water um, at that point in time. Since then, the county has taken out $17 million to $20 million worth of bonds to, um, to what they're going to be doing now is installing water lines to all those residents in Juliet that didn't have connections to a water system in the past. Um, it's expected to take um, upwards of two years for that to happen. Greg Tapley is county commission chair. Uh, anybody that's responsible ought to pay. Um, the question is, who's responsible? You know, um, anybody that's liable ought to be, you know, make restitution. And so, again, we'll keep following that. If it ends up being proven, then we'll go back and say, hey, look, we had to put in $17 million of water lines and we need to get uh, repaid for that. Um, so that's, uh, that's part. And then, of course, the residents have their own uh, opportunities, uh, you know, to go uh, to, to Georgia Power or the plant share as a group or individually to, to do the same thing. As it stands today, if there's no legislation that's passed and no, no bill signed into law and this lawsuit goes nowhere, what is the fate of the coal ash pond in Juliet? It, it rests in the hands of regulators who are uh, reviewing the hundreds of pages of documents submitted by Georgia Power, um, making the case for why they should leave it unclined as opposed to putting that protective liner in the ground to stop liquid from that coal ash pond from uh, leaving. But they don't want to just leave it, the Georgia Power. They, they do want to do something with it, right? There are certain requirements in there that, that they have proposed, including uh, monitoring the pond for another 30 years, I believe, is, the, is the, what the current permit says. They've also said they're going to put in um, what they have described as, quote unquote, advanced engineering techniques to stop the coal ash from moving beyond the site. Uh, when I've asked Georgia Power what those techniques are, um, they've, they've declined to share that, citing that it's proprietary information. My thanks to freelance journalist Max Blau. After Max and I spoke, Georgia Today reached out to Georgia Power for comment. Spokesman John Kraft said the utility has, quote, publicly shared examples of proven engineering methods for shearer. In an email, Kraft said that the plant shearer plan calls for, quote, dewatering the pond, consolidating the footprint of the ash into a much smaller area, and employing an expanded cover system designed to prevent additional rainwater infiltration beyond a simple cap, unquote. Kraft also referenced the 57 groundwater wells directly around the coal ash pond, 
and that, quote, based on the extensive data collected and reported to the Georgia EPD, nothing above a state or federal drinking water standard has been shown leaving the company's property, unquote. I'm Steve Fennessy. This is Georgia Today, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Our producer is Sean Powers. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.